Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, we got to talk to USC Trojan football. Looks like the Trojans are going to be playing this weekend on a Sunday. Not Sunday night, not Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, I guess you could say. 4.30 p.m. Pacific time on FS1, taking on the Washington State Cougars. We're going to talk about that and what transpired to get to this point where the Trojans are actually going to be playing a football game Sunday late afternoon with Keela Yor. Follow her on Twitter at my name. If you have any questions for the show... You can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you can subscribe on the Apple Podcasting app anywhere, we really would appreciate that. Leave us a five-star rating, some kind of positive review with any comments, feedbacks, or suggestions you have. That really does help us out as well. We'd love to hear from you there. And it helps to grow the show as the most popular podcasting app out there. And if you have any questions, you want to put them on the podcasting Apple podcast. We'll put you right to the top of the show. And as always at the top of the show, we got to talk to Keely. Your Keely, how are you doing today? Hello. Hello, Ryan. Doing well. Just trying to make sense of everything that happened over last week and getting back into previewing an opponent, even though that seems kind of weird hearing Clay Hilton talk this morning about Washington State. I'm like, okay, here we go. Maybe it might happen, but I, I'm waiting until we actually see football on Sunday. It's fun saying Sunday, though. <laughs> it is saying Sunday. Like, oh, who, who's USC playing this Saturday? Nope, playing Sunday. Mm-hmm. During the NFL stuff, it's sort of like the the, the afternoon games end and a little before the uh, Sunday night game starts. So you get maybe there's a little window there that you would yeah. have exclusive football for maybe an hour. Uh, you know, it's, I don't think it's a great Sunday night game or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it was. But, yeah, so you know, so, hey. USC football on a Sunday afternoon, late afternoon. That, that's kind of special. You don't get that very often. Yeah, I think they originally had it scheduled for six, and then a window came open at Fox to move it up, and USC was like, we'll take it. And I think they're excited that they will be in that window, like you talked about, Ryan, between the afternoon games and the primetime games. So uh, maybe more eyes on USC and, and Washington State. So who knows? But uh, it's it'll be interesting to see the numbers just because – Maybe it's a maybe Sunday night Pac-12 football could be an option. I'm kidding, but <laughs> but I know they're excited about the fact that they'll have uh, some eyes on the on the team. Yeah, and they're just excited to be able to play the game. So we're going to talk about that. What it transpired to get to this point. Uh, I think we do have a new uh, review there on the Apple Podcasting app. We do. It is from uh, Thomas Menendez, retired from Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And he says, a five stars, most reliable Trojan source. Great information about USC football. And he had a five star question, which is, uh, why was Clemson able to play their football game when Trevor Lawrence was having signs of COVID and still travel with the team to Notre Dame, but USC can't play? Thanks, uh, Tom Menendez. Thanks, Tom. Um, and that was a Thomas, weird one. My bad. Thomas. Sorry. Thomas. I don't know if he's formal, so I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> Well, Thomas, yeah, we don't want to be disrespectful. Uh, so that was really interesting to see him travel because that seemed completely unnecessary. And I don't know what the rule is there and how that would even be a thing. Um, but to have 
a positive player traveling with your team, it just seems like you're inviting more close contact, more contact tracing and mm-hmm. more issues. So yeah, that definitely was a weird one, but all the conferences have kind of different guidelines and rules. The big 10 actually has a 21 day, um, you know, a quarantine period. And, and it's weird because you would have someone that tests positive for COVID. You could test out of it. If you, you know, test negative a couple of times in a row, you're fine. But if you're in a quarantine situation, you can't test out of that. So you're out for, X number of days in the Pac-12 right now it's 14. There is a lot of talk about from the CDC about changing that quarantine period because it does seem like it's longer than what's normally necessary, especially for kids in this kind of controlled environment. Uh, but I, I don't, I never heard Keely how he was allowed to travel. But you know the contact tracing didn't wipe out a position group like it did at USC with Trevor Lawrence. But which that 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 makes sense. The why is he traveling with the team did not make sense. Yeah. He, was he on the sideline too? I thought I saw yes. a shot of him on the sideline. That makes zero sense to me. If he's going to do that, you might as well play him. Like there's no, you need to keep him away. That's the whole point of isolating, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But that's probably why, you know, at the beginning when the the power five was trying to figure out, okay, what does football look like? conference only was one of the things that came out was because you have such different rules and regulations per conference and whatever how strictly everyone wants to enforce their rules and and the science behind it so uh that's kind of why they separated because you have the pac-12 which is really strict and part of the reason why people forget is it's it's definitely about the local jurisdictions uh the guidances between state and local uh places so that's why la county uh, it's a hard place to be in, not as hard as Santa Clara as we're seeing, uh, but that's why USC and UCLA have different things than maybe Washington and Washington State. It's all about, you know, the the ordinances that supersede whatever conference may say, you know, so uh, it's it's complicated. And that's why the Pac-12 was better off going by their by their own way, because then they can manage their governments uh, in some way or shape or form rather than trying to coordinate it with a, a Notre Dame or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and what we're seeing, what Notre Dame was able to do, uh, they've basically shifted, the ACC shifted the schedule. Um, Wake Forest was supposed to play Notre Dame on December 12th. They're not going to play Louisville. Uh, Florida State's not going to make up their game with Clemson. They're essentially shutting it down. <laughs> um, they're not going to be playing the rescheduled games. And uh, they're they're kind of cutting those two teams off and Miami after nine league games and you know that's i I, looks like they're protecting those programs um so that's kind of an interesting schedule aspect of what's going on in the acc i still don't understand why you would have a positive player even as you know trevor lawrence type guy travel with the team i don't see the upside in in doing that at all but this is you know college football could be a regional sport and the way the the virus is handled is certainly regional um sometimes it differs by state we're seeing fans in stands and other places. We're seeing Stanford need to, you know, host, have their game go from Palo Alto or, you know, to Stanford, California and Santa Clara County to Corvallis because their local officials aren't going to let them play a game, play tackle football right now in that county for the next three weeks. So it's, it's very regional, Keely. Like it just depends where you are, uh, what's going to be allowed. 
Yeah, and I heard your little rant on the Harvey Hyde podcast about how Santa Clara doesn't make sense in making everyone move. It makes sense. Your rant does, at least. Why would you, if the outcome is going to be that these teams are moving to different regions, then your whole tackling ban, contact ban, makes no sense to begin with. So it just, it doesn't make sense if from a containing the spread point of view. If that, if, you know what I mean? I, I First of all, Keely, I do appreciate that <laughs> because... When I went on my rant, anytime you're talking about the virus, if you say something that's you want to be more on the lenient side, let them do this or let them do that, you could have people are saying, you're not taking this seriously. You want to see grandma die. Like they're get on you for saying anything that's not like lock everything down. And, you know, if you wanted to lock college football down, I would listen to the argument. Like they're, they're, Probably a pretty good argument that we shouldn't be playing at all, but we are. And I think knowing that they have this controlled environment, especially, you know, the 49ers, uh, Stanford, they've tested players, you know, eight days a week since July and nobody's tested positive. So I, you have to trust that Stanford's doing a pretty good job of what they're, you know, what they're doing. Now you're telling them to move out of state to play a game. Um, you're, you're basically, if the whole point is we don't want to spread the virus around, you're disrupting it. Like you're kicking a beehive and then hoping that there's not going to be bees flying everywhere. And they're trying to protecting their own butts. It seems like where, well, this is the way it's going to be for everyone where you're, you got to take into consideration. These are programs that have done this. They know what's going on. They're not a threat right now uh, to everyone else in society because they're doing such a good job controlling it themselves. Now you have a local government trying to influence that, but in, in actuality, you're now making the world and the co- the country less safe because of what you're doing. So just because your intentions are good, that we want to stop the virus, so we're going to shut things down, you've actually disrupted things. So it's the unintended consequences thing. So I didn't, I'm glad because I know you're someone that, you know, you, you take this very seriously, Keely. And, I, you know, I think we all try to. Some, be, we can be more lenient than others. But in my opinion, if you really want to keep the country safer, you would have let them continue what they were doing locally as opposed to making them move out of state, which is going to disrupt a lot of things. And I think put more people at risk than just letting them play like they were doing. Yeah, it just doesn't logically make sense. If you originally agreed to college football, which it sounds like they were at least they they agreed to it at some point, whether or not it was begrudgingly, I don't know. But you agreed to it. And this is a group where who is testing every single day who is probably testing more than the average population who has an incentive to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Way more who has an incentive to stay healthy, to really be strict on guidelines and to be, uh, to adhere to every rule that not only the County has in place, but the school itself has in place. So why are are you then punishing those who are trying to uh, do the best that they can? You know what I mean? It just, if you agree to it, why are you now kind of uh, taking back what you originally, I, I just, I don't fully understand, Ryan, but you know that I am definitely uh, pro keeping everyone safe, and it just didn't seem like the logical next step for me, but I don't know. Yeah, we we kind of get in that sometimes where you have, if people's intentions are good, it doesn't mean the action that they're taking to try to make things better is the right thing. Even, you know, with the, the best intentions or whatever, the road to hell is paved with the, you know, best intentions, whatever that saying is. I think we talked about this before. Um, I think Santa Clara County, their, their intentions are they're trying to help, right? 
but they're, the actions they're taking are actually going to hurt things, which, you know, it, it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to blame people if you're doing something with the right mindset, like, hey, we really want to make things safer. We're going to do this. But you actually make things more unsafe then you're like, well, that's not the right thing. <laughs> like you're not. Do- that's great that your intentions are good, but you're not doing something that's actually going to make things better. So uh, we'll see what happens with Stanford. We'll see, obviously, USC and Washington State this weekend, both teams coming off uh, forced COVID bye weeks, one for USC, two uh, for Washington State. So we'll cross our fingers and hope they're able to safely play the game on Sunday night. Um, it was kind of a long intro, I guess. But before we get into <laughs> the more meat of the show, I got some rants in. Keely praising me for rants, which is crazy. Mm, uh, yeah. Maybe not praising, but, you know, approving of rants, which sure. doesn't always happen. You know, true, she'll, she'll, very true. Be on my, you know, let me know. Hey, I don't agree with that one. Um, I want to thank Trader Joe's, who've been our great sponsor. I mean, such a crazy year, um, and they've been awesome uh, for us. Every time I go to Trader Joe's, it's just a great experience. Which you know, it's not always easy to go shopping. I was in uh, Trader Joe's in Hermosa Beach yesterday, and uh, you know, picked up a few of those Trader Jose beers because I was going to have some Mexican food for dinner, and those are you know, it's a good compliment. But if you want to be a little festive, you got kids at home uh, for the the holidays. I found these, and I think they just came out the day I got them. They were they were just on the website yesterday, so I got lucky and I found them on my own before I saw them on the website. Decked out tree cookies. So these are awesome looking Christmas cookies of a Christmas tree. It's like a biscuit with chocolate in the middle and chocolate on the bottom, and it's drizzled with white frosting uh, to look like garland on the trees and little. Um, the little sprinkles on top, they are really good. And it's only two, it's like 30 cents a cookie. It's like two forty nine for a pack of eight of these things. And if you just put them out on a plate for, you know, if you had, uh, you know, a friend over or something or, you know, socially distant and you want to have something nice to put out there, these are really good looking cookies and they taste great. So I just lucked into them, which is cool. When you go to Trader Joe's, you get to do stuff like that. So definitely check those out. Uh, they are great. Very nice. I picked up my annual advent calendar, chocolate Trader Joe's advent calendar. So each day I get a little chocolate. So <laughs> I, I'm, I think they're meant for kids too, Ryan, but I, I can't stop the tradition, you know, got to keep yeah, it going. So when I was a kid, our advent calendar, I don't think we had like little, I don't think we had little chocolates in there. I think I got to get one of those. That's cool. You do. It's a nice little uh, treat and you're a sweet tooth, Ryan. So it makes sense. 100%. Yeah. And that would stop me from eating like, you know, a week's worth. I would have to like wait each day. <laughs> yeah. Patience. Patience is a virtue. I'm not saying I had three of those cookies of the eight, but maybe I did in one sitting. Okay, that's fine. That's, yeah, whatever works. It happens. Uh, but yeah, go, go check those out at Trader Joe's. Let's see. So maybe we should go back. Um, we were pretty optimistic on Wednesday. Uh, we, we, I don't, maybe we weren't as optimistic on Tuesday when we recorded the show. But on Wednesday, when uh, we had our oh, – we didn't do a tunnel vision show, but like – I think things were pretty optimistic around the site, uscfootball.com, that the game was going to happen, that they were well, have, yeah. there were too many people in quarantine, they had two positives, but man, that third one comes out, it just kind of puts a damper on Thanksgiving. I don't know if you want to kind of go through what was going on there, Keely, because that was a, that was a, that was a rough day. Yeah, there was a lot going on it. And part of the reason why we had that sense of things was because we had the war room that Thursday morning. So on Wednesday, we were asking around trying to get a sense of where things stood. And I got a sense from USC that they were pretty optimistic about where they were COVID wise. They had 
uh, a player ha- shows symptoms on Monday, started woke up with symptoms on Monday. He isolated. So they thought they had that under control. They did a, they did a round of PCR tests. Another player popped up as a positive. He was asymptomatic. And then talking around uh, talking to sources on Wednesday, I think USC thought that they had a handle on the spread. They had people in quarantine. They think they identi- they thought they identified where it originated, how that happened. And it seemed like there was some sense of confidence, but I was warned, you know, the next 24 hours will be key for us. And so lo and behold, in the next 24 hours, you have another player pop up with symptoms. And when USC released that, that statement that said we had a player with symptoms and we're pausing practice to me, knowing what I, I knew from just conversations that I had, I was like, this is just, this is very bad, <laughs> you know, because uh, for LA County, if you're in a non-medical setting, three positive test is considered an outbreak in the eyes of LA County. And so that wouldn't have automatically canceled the game really hard for USC. So put the put yourself in USC shoes. You now aren't really sure. You don't you're not sure if you have a handle on okay, are there more positives positives that are gonna pop up? And now we have an outbreak in terms of LA County and we have to talk to the county, but it's Thanksgiving. Like there's not gonna be people hanging around <laughs> government buildings to be able to talk about, okay, what does our college football team do this weekend? You know, it was just a logistical nightmare from that sense. So they had to get a handle on things on Thursday and it quickly was just like, they can't do the game. It's just not going to work. So um, they canceled the game. They had another positive happen on Friday. So now we're at four positives for USC and seven in quarantine. Um, and then Chris and I were able to uh, break the news that USC is still trying to play uh, Washington State, but they moved the original Friday game to Sunday. And the reason why that is so pivotal is because you get that initial group that was uh, isolating and quarantining, you get them back because that their uh, time their time frame will end on that Saturday. So then they will be free. They'll be out of quarantine prison, if you will, on Sunday. And so uh, USC, for their part, is still trying to to put the game on. But, you know, as I mentioned, on Wednesday, it felt positive from USC's perspective. And coming into this week, I definitely felt a different tone. There was definitely a more uh, pessimistic view about it. it about the game on Sunday and that there's a long way to go. And I think part of it was just because they, they're not really sure when the spread happened, how they, it got transmitted. And I think what they're, they're realizing this week is that you can have all the protocols in place on the football side of things. But at the end of the day, this is still a bubble. This is not a bubble. Excuse me. This is not a bubble. And there's going to be outside contact. You know, there's going to be players going to the grocery store. There's going to be other ways that you might have spread happen. And so you can't control everything no matter how hard you try. So I think that's why they're a little bit more pessimistic heading into Sunday. You know, there's a long way to get to there. So I think everyone at USC is kind of holding their breath and and hoping they get through the next couple of days. But uh, the PCR test that they did on Monday came back negative for all players. That is a good sign. USC was able to start workouts again today on Tuesday. Uh, their, their normal schedule is a day pushback, so... They will do their normal Tuesday practice tomorrow on Wednesday, but so far so good. But I think that there was kind of a lesson learned between last week and this week that uh, even if you think you have a handle on things, COVID is going to have its its way, whether or not you you fully have an idea, you know. So uh, yeah. they're holding their breath and and hopefully for USC's sake, this is the last of the positives and they can continue on and and play on Sunday. Nice, good recap there, Keon. <laughs> it was a long one, so apologize, was- but yeah. 
there was long, but there was, I mean, there was a lot of good uh, stuff in there. And Clay Helton seemed, so we got to talk with him Tuesday morning. He seemed genuinely excited that the PCR tests came back and they were negative. And that was uh, a good sign that there weren't, there wasn't some kind of other outbreak going on right now. And uh, John Wilner wrote a little bit about this. I don't know if you saw Keeley, but he, yeah. he had talked to a Pac-12 source and thought that there was some false positives, which, you know, we've heard some rumblings of that. Uh, but he also heard there could have been a false negative, which if that's the case, then then that's really tough because then you, you have someone that's positive that could be spreading it an extra day. But he made it sound like, the timing of it was really unlucky that because of the travel day, you know, you get the day off on Sunday and it was a late game. Nobody was tested that day. If people were tested like post travel, it might've caught it a little earlier and then saved some of the other people from either getting it or, or going into quarantine, but they're tested, you know, eight times a week. And the one day they have off is Sunday. Um, so it's kind of tough to ask players to, to test again, but you know, maybe it's, maybe he's right where you, it's, you know, do the, the simple, do the fast, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the quick test or whatever, the antigen test, uh, rapid tests after players, you know, finish traveling and maybe that would solve that problem. But USC doesn't have to travel anymore, but just one of those things where could that have prevented it? Maybe, but it's, it sounded interesting from what John Wilner was saying. Yeah, so I was hearing the same thing, but I think USC kind of wanted to keep it under wraps. But since Wilner talked about it, I think I can speak about it a little more freely. But yeah, USC was dealing with false positives uh, last week, and now they think that they also had false negatives. Um, so, or yeah, false negatives and false positives. So, from a testing standpoint, they were kind of just trying to figure it out as the day as the week went on, which just adds to the stress because now you don't have a full confidence level of, okay, this person, did they test, they tested negative, but did they really, you know, this person tested positive, did they really? So USC had to, it was a stressful week for them on top of everything that you already thought was stressful for them, just because they didn't have a real sense at certain points of the, of the week, especially in the beginning of the week. Okay. How did this person test this way? Uh, how do we go from here? You know, so, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, I alluded to the the kind of pessimism or the the hesitation into this week rather than the the optimism we were hearing last week. And I think that's just because the testing uh, has been a hurdle for USC. And so uh, I think that they're trying to be more cautious with where they go next and and how uh, they feel about their testing. So, uh, yeah, I I heard the same thing as Wilner and, and it definitely made USC's life way more hectic trying to track everything down. And that's why, like, you have to give credit to USC. One, they've been very transparent throughout this whole process. And two, they were willing to pause right when they figured out that they had a positive on their hands. They they believe in pausing to make sure you get a sense of everything and giving time for people to isolate and possibly stop the spread even more. Because you've seen with other college teams, it's like, oh, we have a positive and we just had a full contact practice where we were sweating and spitting on each other, you know? But USC kind of just hit the brakes uh, pretty early on to make sure they got a better sense of things. And I think that that definitely helped them, especially when you find out that their their testing caused some some hiccups along the way. So credit to them for being transparent. I know they're a private university and don't have to release all the positives and whatnot. But to their credit, they're doing that and they're trying to follow the, the guidelines as best as possible. Yeah. And uh, you want to give them props for being able to handle it this way. And, you know, we didn't 
I feel like the way USC's done it has been good. They haven't given away any sort of competitive advantage. They've talked about numbers of people. You know, we reported, you know, that the the positives were on the offensive line. People have talked about that. But Clay Helton never said it. Clay Helton didn't say how many people were coming off uh, quarantine and things like that. He, you know, But he gave you the overall numbers. And I feel like that was the, you know, it was a smart way to go where there's other programs that aren't saying anything and you have no idea what's going on there. Um, I think you can share what's happening without talking about the players' names, uh, what positions they play or anything like that. And that's pretty much what USC has done. And I, I, I think that's, I think that's worked well. Yeah. I mean, it's twofold. First off it's HIPAA. So you can't, disclose uh who tested positive just because of HIPAA and, and whether or not the player wants to do it that's up to them uh, but then on top of that I think USC also wants to keep a competitive advantage you know we we knew early in the week that an offensive lineman uh, was the first positive and so that caused an issue with quarantining and I know USC from a competitive advantage didn't really want it out there that hey yeah, our our entire offensive line might not be able to play against against Colorado. So I know it, it's kind of twofold in that sense, Ryan. Where I think Clay doesn't want uh, Washington State now to be able to go, hey, this guy's going to be out. This guy, okay, let's double team this guy because he's never played a snap in his life at the college level. You know, so it's it's twofold. But I, from a reporting standpoint, um, I personally just don't want to say who who tested positive because it's up to them, and, you know. And there's so much hate on the internet that the last thing you want is if you're you're COVID positive and dealing with that sickness. Now you have to deal with internet hate because you canceled the game or something like that. It's just not worth it. And so that's my personal policy, and I think that's that's how USC is rolling as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we also have some other news, Keeley. Uh, Chase McGrath, USC's uh, kicker. Uh, one of USC's kickers is uh, entered the transfer portal on Tuesday. So we thought he was going to be the starting kicker. Um, we see Parker Lewis come in and has a really strong leg and has done well for the Trojans so far. And uh, not unexpected that Chase McGrath would enter the portal. I don't know what you, you think about it or any anything you've heard about that. Yeah, I wasn't surprised just seeing how it's gone. You know, I, I am surprised because Chase has been so solid for USC um, that, you know, Helton tends to go more towards seniority, especially if it's a close race between two players. So I was kind of surprised that uh, they went with Parker Lewis and stuck with it, you know, especially in the Arizona game when he was a little shaky, you know, but that, maybe that's the Sean Snyder effect. We don't know because we can't see practice. But um, I know from uh, McGrath's side, I think, it was a little surprising that it happened, um, especially because he was dealing with the injury. But uh, it's always sad when you see a, a, a senior or a, an older veteran contributor uh, get Wally pipped in that sense. So, uh, But congrats to Parker Lewis. I mean, he's been solid, and, and we were talking about him preseason as well. I think we even mentioned on the, the preview podcast, hey, what happens if Parker Lewis jumps over Chase McGrath and looks what happens. So, I mean, you want competition. And if Parker Lewis was indeed the better kicker throughout camp, then that's what you want as a Trojan fan, because you want competition to win out. But you always, you always hate it when, when guys who are, you're used to seeing and, and who've been uh, solid Trojans are, are ending up in the portal in that sense, you know? Yeah, it, that was a tough one. Um, Cause he, you know, he's really solid for USC for sure. And, uh, you know, been a hero at times. So, we wish uh, Chase McGrath the best. He's a great kid, and uh, hopefully mm-hmm. everything works out for him. Um, why don't we, we? We only got like one question. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back. 
And we'll talk about some of the injuries, and then we'll uh, answer the question and maybe kind of wrap things up where we're going to go the rest of the week, preparing in a little different way for a Sunday game. So back in a minute. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle podcast. Uh, Ryan Abraham, Keely, you're with you, giving you updates on the Georgia football team. And we want to talk about the injuries, Keely. The one thing going into the Colorado game, there was concern about the linebackers. And I think going into the Washington State game, there's still going to be concern <laughs> about the linebackers. Yeah, I feel like on instant analysis, every week I'm asking Shotgun, okay, Shotgun, are you concerned about the inside linebackers? And every week it's like, yes. Um, I mean, you'd hope uh, for USC's sake that Raylan Goforth and that foot sprain was able to heal more during the time off that they had. I think that for him is really beneficial. Uh, Clay Helton said that during today's like light practice slash workout that they're doing, they're going to test his foot to see if he can change direction, uh, Raylan's foot, uh, and see where he's at. Um, but right now, that's really Ra- Raymond Scott and Kanai Malga who are getting those reps. And then uh, Pelier Naotote is still in concussion protocol. And I actually asked Clay Helton about that this morning. And I was like, are you concerned at all about his recovery timeline? And he was like, these things take time. Uh, you always want to make sure that uh, it's just it's good from a neurological standpoint, a health standpoint, and just that the the, the player feels good. And I, I completely agree. I'm not trying to be like, hey, come back. <laughs> why, why is EA not coming back faster? It's just uh, it's been a while. He was injured against Arizona. So uh, you just hope that EA is doing well and recovering well just because he's also had uh, this is not his first concussion. So hopefully that is you're not seeing any uh, too many issues with that because uh, the brain is always a, a scary thing. And then as far as running backs, USC seems to be good. As far as that sounds like from Clay Helton, Marquis Step and Stephen Carr will be able to practice this week. So that is good. You just hope that Marquis Step can can hold up health wise because he's like dealing with he was dealing with three injury simultaneously he had the he retweeted his ankle first day of training camp while rehabbing that ankle he had a foot sprain kind of turf toe type deal and then uh had a, a pec strain as well so the the injury point for for step is a little concerning at that point because running backs have a, a shorter shelf life and if you're injured a lot it's just not great for usc but uh, step is such a a different and dynamic weapon for usc that it'll, it'll be good for usc not only to get step but also car back hopefully for Washington state, if that does indeed happen. Yeah. We saw the, um, you know, the running backs, it was mostly Vavai, right. For, uh, in the game against Utah, because, yeah. you know, we didn't see Stephen Carr and their production definitely dropped off, but I think it was just, you're playing a much better defensive front in Utah, but the, the, I think the running backs are going to be okay for this one. The linebackers, like you said, we don't know. Even when Clay Helton was talking about Pallier, no Oteote and the concussion protocol, he was saying sometimes it could take 21 days. Sometimes it could take longer. And you just got a feeling that there might be something, you know, wrong. You know, obviously concussions aren't good anyway. Any kind of brain injury is not great. Um, some go away quickly. This one doesn't seem 
like it is. So I, I think that, you know, obviously the bigger area of concern is what are these inside linebackers going to do? Um, you know, Rayla Goforth and Kanai Malga, they played really well and they've kind of found what was missing from that position group, I think, against Utah. But having, you know, only having like one of those guys available, I think would be a, a pretty big blow for the defense. Yeah. And that was the interesting predicament when before Raylan got hurt was, okay, if, if, if EA comes back, what do you do? Because you, you saw such a better performance from the linebackers, the inside linebackers against Utah. What do you do with that? But that's not even a question right now. It's like, okay, can you get Raylan Goforth back? But I think the key there with, with both Kanai and Goforth was that uh, Todd Orlando said, you know, the first couple games, they just played so, the defense as a whole, played so just stiff, you know? They played looser. They played faster. They were attacking. Um, and it was kind of your theory, Ryan. I know on the podcast earlier you were like, even if they're, they get, they're getting the wrong lane or if they do something wrong, as long as you're just going full speed and you're attacking, that's better than what they're doing now. And and Todd Orlando kind of said something similar. He was like, you know, we just need to attack and be faster and be looser. And I thought that's what they did against Utah. So I think that was the difference that we saw. And I think you can see that with Kanai especially. He, he just looked like he wasn't slow to read and react in that sense so if you can get railing back i think that that helps that that obviously that linebacker group but you're curious uh what happens with raymond scott i know he seemed to play pretty well against arizona but then uh he didn't get that much playing time against utah so what will he do in the spotlight and whether or not really go forth will be 100 percent. all things to watch for on sunday yeah i guess uh todd orlando listened to the show and just thought that my philosophy <laughs> was good and went with it <laughs> Makes he was sense. like, "That Ryan Abraham knows what he's talking about." Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for hire, coach. If you need me out there, um, <laughs> not, not to, you know, just to, not on the field, obviously. But uh, yeah, so that's good. It was good to see them playing fast, and uh, you want to see that back. It's going to be a difficult week of practice. They've had to shut down. What was it? Seven of the last nine days. Um, mm-hmm. So it was more conditioning today on Tuesday and then get into full pads on Wednesday, getting ready for the Sunday game. It's just going to be a different way to prepare, but it's 2020. If guys are coming off quarantine on Saturday and you got to roll them out there to play, you make a play. And, you know, coach uh, Clay Helton said that they're still doing their individual stuff to try to stay in shape. So even though they wouldn't be out on the practice field, um, you know, you got to get back there. And that's, if you feel good about the running backs, concern maybe about the linebackers we know you know there's offensive linemen that have been affected by this we don't know who's going to be out specifically and who's coming back off quarantine but it's a problem you know kind of kind of a problem group i guess you could say already keely and now you might have one two three starters out what we don't know at this point um any concerns there you know because of the COVID stuff and even if guys are back not having practice for a couple of weeks heading into this washington state game yeah, I mean, you have to be concerned heading into this game. Like you said, Ryan, seven out of the nine days, the last couple of days, they haven't been able to practice. And so I, I'm I'm curious what Helton meant when he said the, guy, the quarantine guys were still working out on their own. Like, do they have equipment in their rooms? Are they, like, running in open fields away from everybody? What does that look like? But, um, you know, the guys who would be coming back, I assume they are more veteran guys. So hopefully they just got extended rest and can kind of pick up where they are. But as far as the younger guys, Elton said, you know, they're, they're slimming down what they can do because they know that they don't want to overload the newer players who will probably get more playing time on Sunday. Uh, you know, you just hope that, <laughs> that, 
they they get it and they're not overwhelmed. We heard a lot of praise about you know the Cortland Fords of the world, the Jonah Monheims. If those are the guys that that step up and have to play, we'll see if USC's praise of them was correct. We've had a mixed bag so far of the USC preseason praise, uh, so we'll see where that lines up. But if you're uh, Graham Harrell, what do you do with the the the, the playbook? You just try to get the ball out faster, so that way you, you don't put too much pressure on your offensive lineman to really uh, to to be stout in that sense. I don't know. You know, it it will be. Uh, I think you have to kind of grade on a curve, whatever you see on Sunday. You know, Helton said uh, they've been two-spotting, they've been preparing for this all, basically all 2020, and this is where the rubber meets the road. How flexible can you be? How well can you prepare when you don't really know uh, who you're going to get or how, you're, how your your team is going to look? So, And Helton, I think, said even today, they don't even have enough people to really do full-service team. Like the ones and twos are going to have to give scout looks to their their uh, opposite ones and twos. So Keen Slovis might be acting like Washington State for a bit on practice Wednesday and Thursday. So it's just a tricky, it's a really 2020 week, 2020 game. It's it's whatever works. And honestly, Clay Helton said, we're just happy to be on the grass and to play, you know. And so I think that's what you have to take at this point. They're, they're at least going to try on play. On, they're going to try to play on Sunday and when they can and if they can. You just have to enjoy it because it's college football in 2020. 100% agree. And we talked about this on Tunnel Vision Sunday night, and people are asking about excuses. of like, look, it, I think Clayhall's attitude is the right one. You just have to be thankful that your feet are on grass and there's a pigskin and other people out there wearing pads and, and running around. You're doing, you know, you're doing what you love to do. Are this, you know, is it an ideal situation? No. Are you going to do things differently? Are these coaches and players creatures of habit? Yes, all of those things. But, you know, we've seen Cal and UCLA play on two days notice. Like, hey, what you guys go play each other. Uh, we've seen Utah and Washington have to do that, uh, you know, a few days more notice. Like, you just have to do these things. At least you know who your opponent is. You can't prepare exactly the way you would like, but you get to prepare. You're going to play on a different day, different time. It's moved a couple of times. Um, you know, we've seen that the Steelers and Ravens, they've moved their game like three different times in the NFL. And is that fair for everyone? You know, over that time, they've moved games, people catch the virus and then they end up being out, but that wouldn't have mattered if they played it earlier. Like, yeah, there's all kinds of excuses sort of built in. You might have a bunch of disadvantages that you weren't, that you shouldn't have in a normal year, but I don't think any of that matters. Keely. You just have to go and be thankful you're playing and play whatever hand you're dealt play those cards and it might be crappy. Uh, it might be better than you thought. I mean, USC got some breaks, you know, uh, playing three teams that had not played before, uh, missing Colorado actually was a benefit to making the PAC 12 championship game because you basically now have a, a guaranteed tiebreaker with, with the buffs that you wouldn't have had if you, you know, obviously if you lost, but you know, playing, you would have had to beat Colorado now just not playing them is almost like you beat them. So, there's going to be advantages and disadvantages. You got to throw yourselves in this game and figure it out and just play. You know, you have the more talented players, play your game and win. And uh, I think that's what USC has to do. So I, for those fans out there, they're looking for excuses. I just don't think anyone can have excuses. Yes. It's a weird year. You just have to kind of roll with it and go. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. This is when you have to have the reality check. Hey, it's college football in a pandemic. It is what it is. And I know I'm guilty of that too, being overcritical. But, you know, it, they're playing. They're going to try to play. And it's better than last week when they didn't play. So that's all you can really ask for as a fan, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, we, 
we only have one question this week. We'll get to that in a second. But we're going to do our television show. We didn't do one last week uh, on Wednesday because it was you know Thanksgiving and all that. Um, we didn't realize there wasn't going to be a game. But that will be our preview show for Washington State. So make sure you check that out. We'll put the podcast up on our podcast feed as well if, uh, if you're listening there. Um, all kinds of stuff will be going up on uscfootball.com, previewing the game and all of that this week. So hopefully you can uh, tune in to all of that. Um, but, yeah, anything else, Keely, before we uh, jump into the question? No, I mean, just hoping that all the guys who tested positive for COVID are, are doing well and recovering well. That's the main thing. I know it's it's we get lost in the, the game and the all that stuff, but the, hopefully they're doing well and that no more positives pop up for USC in that sense. Yeah, so you know, you want everyone to be healthy. Um, it was funny. I think you asked Clay Helton about uh, any of the staff, and he's sort yeah. of like, "Yeah, that was weird." Well, maybe to explain what he said or what you asked and what he said and, and what I you see, think about it. I don't even fully understand what he said at this point. I need to recheck the transcript, from t- which I'm doing right now. But he had said multiple times, because um, they did the PCR test on Monday. He said multiple times. No player t- tested positive, and he and I was like, uh, that begs the question. <laughs> so then I asked, I was like, you keep saying no player tested positive. Has your staff or has anyone on your staff been affected by COVID nineteen? And it was kind of this roundabout, like no one in the building tested positive. It is a curious thing that got my reporter senses tangling. So if I find anything out, I will let y'all know. But it was it was odd, Ryan. <laughs> It was, um, it was very, it was strange. The, the feeling I got was this latest round of testing, nobody was positive. Like everybody was negative in the building. Uh, right. Everyone was negative in the building. So I, I found the quote. He says, as of right now, everybody that is in the building, uh, has tested, ne- has tested negative. We really haven't had to report staffers just on players. I'll leave that to the athletic administrators. Yeah, but I can tell you that everybody that's in the building today is negative. We don't know right. who was in the building. <laughs> yeah, like it could have could like a staff member have tested positive and not been in the building. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, my feeling was it's basically like everyone that was working there on the football team was negative. Like they all tested, they're all negative. But was somebody out last week or two weeks ago or whatever? Like sounds like it. Yes, but he's just not going to say. He doesn't. Yeah. Quote unquote, have to say. I mean, he doesn't technically have to say anything. Um, but yeah, that, that's the, the, the feeling I got Keely was no one's negative. No one's positive. Now the whole staff is fine, but yes, we had some people on staff that tested positive or, or weren't quarantined, um, because of it. So I, yeah, who knows? Um, and it's hard when you're not going to practice. Like if we would go to practice, we could see, um, Oh, Vic Soto is not there. Wonder where he is. You know, uh, you would note you can notice things like that. And now, yeah. you know, that's not the case. Yeah. So, because um, I, I said, I was like, you don't have to get into specifics, but has it affected your staff at all? And so it didn't seem like he wanted to get into it, which is fair. You don't have to. Um, but I just thought it was curious how he kept saying no player tested positive. So it was like, hmm, interesting, intriguing yeah. on that front. Exactly. All right. Well, you want to get to our final question? Sure. Let's go to our question from Jim B, who wants to talk about recruiting. He says, hey, guys, great show. Keep up the good work. At the start of the recruiting season, SE had gotten a lot of new coaches who were also good recruiter- recruiters. Everything looked good. I think we were number four at one time, 
and in the national recruiting team ranking. Since then, we have gone steadily downhill. We are now number 10 and falling fast. Meanwhile, we have lost some key guys that we were pursuing, like Aaron Armitage, uh, Ethan Calvert, Nathan Will- Will- Nathaniel Wiggins, and Philip Riley. What is going on with recruiting, and where do you think that we will finish in the final national recruiting team ranking- rankings? Fine on, Jim B. Hey, Jim. Um, so I think Steve Whitfong did a pretty good piece up on the website. We don't usually get into the, you know, the recruiting stuff too in depth, uh, here on the podcast. But if you want to check out Whitfong's uh, article up on uscfootball.com, it went up on November, on Monday, November 30th, but they picked up, uh, crying where Hudson, who's a four star, um, receiver from modern day high school, flipped him from Oregon to USC and his brother is actually on the Oregon Ducks team. So it was pretty, pretty good. And that moved uh, USC up to number seven, uh, you know, nationally. So that's a nice jump. There's a bunch of guys that, you know, USC is working on and he, he kind of goes through uh, a lot of them, just like what would be the ideal way to finish the class. Corey Foreman is the, you know, the five-star defensive lineman. He's the number one player in the country. So he likes USC, he likes Arizona State, Clemson, Georgia, LSU. He was a Georgia commit before. Um, you know, it seems like still of a fluid situation. But there's other guys like Sierra Wright, uh, you know, and and Rajon Davis, and um, you know the quarterback situation. They you know they have Jake Garcia and Miller Moss, but they could push for Jackson Dart as well. So there's a bunch of dudes that still after and can. You know, the potential to finish really strong in this class is certainly there, you know, uh, and that was, you know, a big move, you know, taking a, a guy away from from Oregon and, and you know, bringing it over to USC. So we'll see how strong they finish. I think it's part of it going to be tied to how they play and how good they look um, on the field. You know, that's certainly going to help. It's not like individual games like USC loses to Washington State and a player goes to Washington State instead of USC. It doesn't work that way. But just, you know, do they look good? Do they look like they're a, a real team out there and they win the South and do they win the PAC 12? I think all those things uh, help, but it's a, it's a crazy schedule because you got the early signing period, you know, with third week in December, basically right after the season's going to end, um, you know, you're, you're finishing off your weekend, December 18th uh, or 17th. If you're going to play in the championship, I believe it or 18th, 19th, I forget which exactly it is, but yeah, that's uh it's going to, a lot of it's going to depend on how USC finishes and then how strong they can close this class out. There's a lot of big fish there that they're going to try to reel in and we'll see how they do. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy realizing that the early signing period is so close. That's just how weird the schedule in this, this year has been. But, uh, the, the Chiron flip was huge because not only did that, that move USC up to number seven in the national rankings, it dropped Oregon to number five. So, uh, the, the, the race for the number one in the Pac-12 uh, recruiting rankings is still on. It's not over. And and Oregon lost to uh, Oregon State, so that obviously is not great. <laughs> and then you have uh, USC still battling and, and undefeated right now. And, and whether or not they close out the season, we'll see. But how they how they do there. But uh, it'll be interesting, Ryan. And, and, and especially with the pandemic, I know that was big. And uh, I know Greg Biggins put out an article about uh, where Hudson's commitment and and his dad talked about how the pandemic really affected his situation and how he felt about leaving and so he wanted to stay and go to USC so how that affects things going forward and how it has affected things just keep your eyes open for that because that's interesting uh wrinkle as well 
All righty. Good stuff, uh, Keely Yor. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us today and all the great insight. You've been doing an awesome job and you know, breaking news on our live television show. That doesn't happen all the time. So congrats on doing that. And uh, Thank you. Thank you. It yeah. was it was hard doing all of that at once, producing, trying to hold a conversation with you guys and texting like four separate people at the same time. It was not my best television, but I was like, you know what? We're, we're breaking news and it's going to be what it is. I had a bird's eye view. Just, you know, I was looking like Keely's basically looking straight ahead where I'm in the seat I am in right now, looking ahead into a camera. I'm facing her like at 90 degrees. So she's facing the wall and into the camera and the lights. And I'm looking right at Keely. So when I'm looking straight ahead, but the camera's pointing, you know, from Keely's point of view. So I could see her going to her and doing all this stuff. It was pretty funny to see her, like what she was doing, smiling and like trying to figure this out. <laughs> um, so it was fun. I got to, I got to watch you in action. Thank you. You did a great job stalling. I think there were a couple times you saw me like trying to like get back to the producing desk and just being like, ah, and you were like, and so and I was like, thank you, Ryan. So uh, you, you were a good uh, teammate in that sense. We tried. Yeah, we did. Well, uh, great stuff. And uh, everyone out there, thank you so much for being part of the show and listening and telling your friends and all of that. We really do appreciate that. Uh, it's awesome having all the feedback we get and all the, you know, when when we used to see people on the street and they would come up to us and say something about the podcast, that doesn't happen anymore because we're not out there. But, you know, hopefully we'll get back to that point at some point. And uh, but hope you guys enjoy this weekend of college football. Cross your fingers at USC and Washington State happen on Sunday night. For Keila Yor, I am Ryan. Thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 